0: Let's turn to uh, Exodus 15, Exodus 15, we've been uh, talking along these lines of the Lord our healer and today uh, what we're going to talk about is going to cover healing and protection really at the same time, so amen. Amen. Um, So here in Exodus 15, the context is the Israelites have just left Egypt after 430 years of slavery. And the Bible says there was not a feeble one among them. Now that in itself is notable because as slaves, they would have have, have been overworked and underfed. Some would have had injuries, broken bones without proper medical treatment. There were elderly people there, but it says there was not a feeble one among them. Before they left, the Egyptians gave them silver, gold, and clothes. This was the first great wealth transfer from the wicked to the just. So after 430 years, uh, of being slaves, the people of God left Egypt healthy and wealthy. So uh, the Egyptians realized what they had done. They have just let all their labor force, which is the backbone of their economy, uh, leave. And they decided, uh-oh, uh-oh, we better go after them. So they, they go after the Israelites to get their workers back and get their money back. So, uh, as we know, God parted the Red Sea. There was a water wall on the left. There was a water of wall on the right. They went through on dry ground. The Egyptians came in after them, and the water collapsed on the left, and the water collapsed on the right, and the Egyptian army drowned. Now, in verse 20 and 21 they're uh, celebrating this miraculous deliverance so they're having a party here and it says then Miriam the prophetess the sister of Aaron took the timbrel in her hand and all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dances and Miriam answered them sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously the horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea I heard someone point out the other night I was listening to something and I hadn't thought about it before but they mentioned this is the very last time they ever praised God for providing for them, for delivering them uh, and I hadn't really thought about it before but as you get to read on through Exodus and uh, get over to Numbers and Joshua and all there, this is the very last time they ever thanked God and praised him for his deliverance so we, we don't want to be that way, amen? amen? Now verse 22, so Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea then they went out into the wilderness of Shur and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water now when they came to Marah they could not drink the waters of Marah for they were bitter therefore the name of it was called Marah Mera means bitter, so that's what they call the place. So this is three days later, after their miraculous deliverance uh, out of slavery. Uh, now they're already complaining because the only water that they have found is bitter and it's undrinkable. It's not fit to drink. So the celebration came to a halt. <laughs> came to a halt, and uh, they've come down off of their high after leaving Egypt, and now they're complaining. And this is a dangerous thing to get into, is murmuring and complaining. Uh, after just witnessing one of the greatest miracles up to that time in human history, they should have been encouraged. Uh, they've. You know, when they came to this bitter water that was unfit to drink, they should have responded, hey, we've been here before. We've seen God provide before. He's come through for us. He'll do it again. Amen. But that's not what happened. Verse 24, and the people complained against Moses, saying, what shall we drink? So he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree why a tree because Jesus died on a tree for us who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we having died to sins might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed 1 peter 2:24 when Moses threw the tree into the water it was healed it was no longer toxic it was sweet and it was healthy to drink. They could now drink all they wanted. So this water went from a state or a condition uh, from being something that could kill you or make you sick if you drank it to something that was sweet and healthy and would sustain them and keep them alive. Everybody say, miraculous. Miraculous. Amen. So what made this possible? The tree, a type of the cross of Jesus, our healer. Verse 26. uh, If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments, And keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases on you, which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Mm. So at this place Marrow, God revealed himself to Israel and to us as our healer, and it's connected to turning the water that could have killed them into water that was healthy and sustained him. And it was at this place that he revealed to Israel and to us that he is our healer. Because the water was healed. And God told them, if you keep my word and you listen to me and you do what I tell you to do, I will heal you just like I heal the water. He said, I am Jehovah Rapha. The Lord your physician. The Lord that heals you. The the word heals here in this verse 26 is the Hebrew word rapha, And it means to cure, to heal, to repair, to mend, and to restore to health. God said, I will cure. I will heal. I will repair. I will mend. I will fix and restore you to health just like I cured the water. So he uses water as an example, uh, an object lesson. The water, how did this happen? The water was healed and cured and restored on a molecular level. Whatever substances was in that water that made it toxic, and poisonous, and undrinkable, and harmful, was neutralized, and it happened on the molecular level. Now, the word neutralize in the dictionary means to make something ineffective by applying an opposite force or effect to counteract the effect of something, to counteract. That's what neutralize is, to counteract the effect of something. So when Moses threw the tree in the water, the power of God neutralized every harmful substance in that water that could kill or make you sick. And God called this healing. He called this reaction healing. Now, let's go to Numbers Twenty one Numbers twenty one This is another situation, another instance where they were complaining. Verse five And the people spoke against God. And against Moses, why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and many of the people of Israel died. Uh, I've heard Charles Capps say that these serpents were there all along. But they didn't harm the people till they started complaining. And when you start complaining, it brings the devil on the scene. And that's what happened. It it opened the door for the devil to come in uh, and harm them. So the people got on their repenting knees in a hurry. In verse 8, Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole and it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole and so it was if a serpent had bitten anyone when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. The Christian Standard Bible says he recovered. The dewy rains translation says they were healed. The people that were bitten had poison in their bloodstream. They're out in the wilderness. There's no medicine. There's no anti-venom. God told Moses to put a bronze serpent on the pole. Bronze in the Bible represents judgment. Bronze in the Bible represents judgment. And again, This serpent on a pole is an Old Testament type of Jesus on the cross. Jesus took our sins and our diseases. He was judged. Jesus was judged. He took the judgment and the punishment for our sins. And at the same time, He took our sicknesses and diseases. He, He was made to be sin. He became sin for us. That's why... It was a serpent on a pole and not a lamb on a pole. Because Jesus never sinned, but he was made to be sin for us. And that's why God said, put a a serpent on the pole. And when the people gaze at this serpent on the pole and they, they look at it, the poison in their bloodstream will be neutralized. The poison in their bloodstream would be neutralized. Now Jesus referred to this incident here in Numbers in John 3:14 and 15, when he said, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So on the cross, Jesus was made sin with our sin, and the judgment of God fell on him. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That's 2 Corinthians 5.21. So Jesus was made sick with our sicknesses. We've seen this in Isaiah 53 and Matthew 8:17. He bore our sicknesses. When did he bear them? On the cross, when he hung on the cross. So when the people looked on this serpent on the pole, which is a type of Jesus on the cross, they were forgiven, they were healed, they were delivered from the snakes. Why? Because of what happened on the cross, what was going to happen on the cross thousands of years later. Uh, One minute, this poison was harmful and it was killing them. The next minute, it was not killing them and all the effects were gone. Has God changed? Has His power changed? Has his will changed? Is he still neutralizing things that are harmful to you? Amen. Yes, he can still neutralize things that are harmful to us. Let's turn to uh, 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 2. Uh, there's a uh, I'm sorry Bob when were you in Exodus when you started <laughs> Exodus, 15, uh, Exodus 15 Exodus uh, 15 22 to 26 thank you that's where and we then, started then we went to Numbers next, num- Numbers 21 that's what it was thank yeah. you Yeah. Uh huh. the serpent on the pole is Numbers 21 thank you now We're looking at another situation in 2 Kings 2. Yes, got it. Now, um, we're in verse 19. Uh, The men of the city said to Elisha, uh, this is... Uh, I think this is a situation when they, uh, uh, no, this is not the situation in Numbers I'm thinking about. There's there's a, uh, you know, there's a, a drought here. There's a bad situation here where the land's concerned. And in 19, it says, The men of the city said to Elisha, Please notice the situation of this city is pleasant. As my Lord sees... But the water is bad, and the ground is barren. The uh, God's Word translation says, But the water is bad, and the land cannot grow crops. The Living Bible says, But the water is bad, and causes our women to have miscarriages. So, the bad water is having an effect on the land and their economy, and or the women's ability to produce. So we've got more bad water here. Verse 20, And he said, Bring me a new bowl and put salt in it. So they brought it to him. Then he went out to the source of the water and cast the salt there and said, Thus says the Lord, I have healed this water from it Uh, there shall be no more death and no more barrenness. So the water remains healed to this day according to the word of Elisha, which he spoke. Now God created the heavens and the earth, and God never created anything that was harmful. He set up the laws of nature, and God knows uh, things about these laws that scientists do not know. God knows how to arrange. He arranged uh, these laws. He, In his creation, he arranged these molecules so he can rearrange molecules. He can rearrange substances to change their chemical composition or their formation. Uh, you know, for example, if, if Matt can build a car, uh, he can design a car and build it. If, if something goes wrong with some component of that car, he's able to redesign a part of it. He can rebuild the whole thing, or he can just rebuild and redesign the part that's not working. Well, if he can do that with a car, some inanimate object, certainly God can do it with something he's created and he's built, he's built. So, so if people can rebuild a car that's not working God can rebuild some part of creation that's not working properly verse 21 so the water remains healed to this day according to the word of Elisha which he spoke the Amplified Bible says thus says the Lord I am Not the salt, have purified and healed these waters. There shall no longer be death or barrenness because of it. So it wasn't just the salt on its own that cured this water. Elisha acted in faith. He acted in faith by throwing the salt in the water. And when he got acted, he took an a, a action of faith and he threw that salt in the water. God got involved. And the power of God moved on the chemical composition of that water. And all the harmful chemicals and substances were neutralized so that the water was made pure. Now turn over a, a page to chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse uh, 38. Uh, And Elisha returned to Gilgal, and there was a famine in the land. Now the sons of the prophets were sitting before him, and he said to his servant, Put on the large pot and boil stew for the sons of the prophets. Uh, so one went out into the field to gather herbs uh, and found a wild vine and gathered from it a loutful of wild gourds and came and sliced them into the pot of stew, though they did not know what they were. Um, Uh, This translation I have here says, uh, then they served it well I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. Uh, What happened is this man went out to gather up these plants to make stew. Now this stew doesn't sound very appetizing. It just sounds like some boiling water with some plants thrown in it. So they must have been really hungry to eat this stuff in the first place. But uh, this man who skipped botany class didn't know his plants and he came back with this handful of plants and threw them in the pot of water that was cooking. And they sliced them up and put them in the stew. Verse 40, Then they served it to the men to eat. Now it happened as they cried out and said, Man of God, there is death in the pot, and they could not eat it. Now the men that ate this it didn't just taste bad. This was poisonous. This was toxic. This was a, like a deadly vine or plant. It didn't just taste bad. It was, it was having an adverse effect on their body. They had been poisoned. Verse 41. So he said, Then bring some flour. And he put it into the pot and said, Serve it to the people that they may eat it. Now, they had to have some faith to eat some more of that, didn't they? (laughs) (laughs) And there was nothing harmful in the pot. There was nothing harmful in the pot. Now, uh, they could have said, you know, let's just fast today. (laughs) You know, we we don't really have to eat. Let's just fast today. Um... But there was a famine in the land, and they were already going out without food. So they were already fasting, basically. Uh, this pot was just some water and plants thrown in. Uh, this is a situation where there's no other option, okay? This is all they've got, and it's been poisoned. Um, but it says when, when um, this is Elisha again. When he threw that flower in, it was another act of faith. The power of God got involved and began to neutralize the chemicals and the toxic substances in there that could kill them and harm them. Uh, It says, he cast it into the pot and said, pour it out for the people that they may eat. Then there was no harm in the pot. Everybody say, no harm. No harm. Amen. The voice translation says, Elisha Elisha, uh, brought some meal. Uh, He said, bring some meal. They brought him some meal, and Elisha threw it in the large pot and renewed the stew. Then he said, distribute this food to the people so that they may fill their hungry bellies. Everyone ate it, and there was nothing wrong with it this time amen what happened the healing power of God got involved in the stew it neutralized all the toxic poisonous substances and it neutralized all the harmful effects in this stew everybody say no harm no harm harm. let's turn over to Daniel Daniel 3 This is the account of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the three Hebrew young men, uh, where the king Nebuchadnezzar created an idol. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly what it was. It could have been uh, an image of himself or a statue of himself, but he issued a decree that everybody was to submit and comply with the mandate to worship this idol. They, when the music played, they were all to bow down, bow down and worship. And everyone who opted out would be penalized. Is this kind of thing still happening today? Yes. <laughs> today, uh, these things have been renamed We don't really call them edicts and decrees. We call them guidelines and policies. These words sound a whole lot more socially acceptable, don't they? Uh, So we have these three Jewish young men. Do you remember their names? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these were the cream of the crop in Israel, along with Daniel, They were very intelligent. They were gifted in administration. And they had favor with the king, and the king promoted them to oversee the affairs of Babylon. So when the king gave the instructions that when the music played, they were all to bow down and comply and submit to his mandate. And uh, when the music played, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they just stood there. (laughs) They didn't move. They just stood there. And they refused to comply with the king's decree. So the whistleblowers, everybody say whistleblowers, the whistleblowers went and reported them to the king. Because the king liked them, he decided to give them another chance, which was probably quite unusual for that day. I don't imagine people got many second chances. But he, he liked them, and, and they had favor with him. So the king says, now look, guys, I like you, uh, and if you do what I tell you to do, everything's going to be fine here. You can continue to work here if you just do what I tell you to do. But if you don't, I'm going to throw you into that burning fiery furnace over there. You are going to die. Your career is going to die. I'm going to terminate your employment with me. And who is the God that will deliver you? So, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, We don't need to answer that question. We don't need to give you an explanation. I love the Living Bible. It says, we are not worried about what's going to happen to us. We're not worried about what's going to happen to us. What a statement of faith. They said, the God we serve, he is able and he will deliver us from your threats. Amen. Amen. And they were so bold and they were so convinced. It made the king furious. And he ordered the furnace to be heated up seven times hotter than normal. And he said, do it immediately, do it now. You know, when people get angry in a rage, they usually make mistakes, don't they? They, uh, they start making mistakes. So uh, because the king was in such a rage and he says, I want them thrown in there now, uh, the men, he, he got the strongest, toughest men in the army to throw them in. And they tied them up. And when they threw them in the furnace, it even killed them, the strong, tough men that threw them in there. They were killed by the flames. But when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown in the furnace, something happened. They had already declared by faith that God would deliver them, and God could deliver them, and He would deliver them. Verse 25. The king said, Look, I see four men loose. Now they only threw three in there. He said, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt. Everybody say not hurt. Not hurt. Amen. The form of the fourth is like the son of God. Verse 26, then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spoke saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out and come here. His tone has changed, hasn't it? <laughs> he's, he's, he's softened up a little bit, hasn't he? <laughs> he's, um, he's changed his tone of voice. He's talking nice to them now. Verse 27, And the satraps, administrators, governors, and the king's counselors gathered together and saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power. Everybody said, no power. No, no power. power. You know, the, it, it says the fire even burned the ropes off of them. But it didn't burn them. It didn't burn their clothes. Verse, um, it goes on to say, The hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not on them. Now the king had brought all these high-ranking VIP, top dignitaries from all over the country to honor him. But the tables have turned. Instead, they have witnessed a miracle of God. God got the glory here, not man, not the king. Now, ideally, the ideal situation and that we would all pray for would be not to be thrown in the furnace in the first place, you know. That would be ideal. But these men had already made up their mind what they were going to do. They said, if you throw us in the fire, God will deliver us. But if you don't throw us in the fire, we still will not bow down to your decree. Amen? We're still not going to serve your gods, even if you don't throw us in. Now, I'm not saying it was the will of God that they were thrown in the fire, okay? So don't take that away here. It was not God's will that they were thrown into the fire. This is an ungodly king. He's mandating by decree something that violated their conscience and something that violated the written word of God. Thou shalt have no other gods before you. So this is a situation where an uh, uh, ungodly king is forcing them to do something that violates their conscience and the written word of God. That's why it makes a difference who is in power. Elections have consequences. That's why it should be of great concern to the body of Christ today. What kind of people are running for offices of government and influence right down to the local level? These are the people that are going to be telling us what we can and cannot do. And for decades, Christians have been silent, apathetic, and not participating in the governmental process. Or a small percentage of Christians actually perform their duty to vote, and the good guy barely scrapes into office, and then the Christians go back to church and think it's all over with for another two or three years. Secular humanists in the halls of Congress, Parliament, and the courtrooms have no fear of our God. A few weeks ago in the U.S. Congress, a Republican representative from Florida stood up uh, presenting a biblical case against the transgender bill that the Democratic Party is trying to ram through Congress. And a congressman, a Democratic congressman from New York stood up and this is what he said in Congress. What any religious tradition describes as God's will is no concern to this Congress. What any religious tradition describes as God's will is of no concern to us. The body in Christ in general has been cowered up in a corner praying for Jesus to come back and get us out of here so we won't be put in an uncomfortable situation where we have to use our faith. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego could have prayed God intervened Change the king's mind so that he doesn't throw us in the fire. And God could have answered their prayer. And they could have said, thank you, Lord, for answering our prayer and changing the king's mind. You delivered us from being thrown into the fire. And God would have gotten glory. He would have gotten glory. Uh, And to be honest, none of us want to be thrown into a fiery trial by the devil. And praise God when we are delivered from fiery trials of adversity. We'll take that every time. I mean, I will take it every time. I don't have to, you know, I'm delivered from a, a test and a trial. But God didn't deliver them from being thrown into the fire. He delivered them out of the midst of the fire. He delivered them out of the midst of the fire, and it did no harm. Everybody say, no harm. No harm. Amen. So God got more glory, more honor, and more recognition when these men were delivered out of the fire. And that's what, that's what happened here. With Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Nobody there could, could, could deny that God did it. And all these dignitaries had been brought from all over the country to witness this. They saw that the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is alive and he is real. Amen. And they were promoted. Yeah. Yeah, they were promoted. Amen. Nancy said they were promoted. That's that's right. Even the king. Even the king acknowledged it was their God, not his God, their God, who delivered them out of the fire. Like we say in our confessions of faith, nobody will be able to deny the greatness of our God. Amen? Amen. Verse 28, Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants Who trusted him and they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any God except their own. Which is the greater testimony that the king changed his mind and didn't throw them in the furnace or he really did throw them in the furnace and God delivered them out of it with no harm. That's the greater miracle, really, isn't it? That's the greater testimony. What happened here? God was in there. He was in that furnace with them, and he put them like in an insulated bubble so that that fire could not touch them. It could not harm them. His power insulated and neutralized the effect of that fire could have on them. He was in there with them. It, like I said, the fire even burned the, the ropes off of them. They were tied up with, but they were not harmed. They didn't even smell like smoke. What does that mean? There's no evidence they were ever even in the furnace. There's no evidence. The Lord, yeah, the Lord wants us to come out of every test and trial that the devil throws against us with no evidence. That, that we were ever even in that test and trial, that we come out uh, overcoming, triumphant, on top. We don't even have the smell of smoke on us. There's no evidence we even ever even went through this. Amen. Everybody say, no harm in the water. No harm in the water. No harm in the, no harm in the stew. No harm in the stew. No harm in the fire. No harm in the fire. Amen. So we're, we're, we're covering healing, protection, and wholeness all in one today. Now let's turn over to Acts uh, chapter 28. Acts 28. Uh, and I'll just give you a little brief background here what's happened up to this point. In chapter 27, Uh, Paul was put on a ship to Rome with some other prisoners. Uh, He had requested, he wanted to make an appeal before Caesar himself, so they put him on a boat with some other prisoners to sail to Rome. Uh, And they ended up sailing into a hurricane, I mean a literal hurricane in every sense of the word. And um, because the captain and the owner of the ship would not listen to Paul, he perceived by the Holy Spirit that this voyage was going to be dangerous and that they should delay this voyage. And the owner and the captain of the ship would not listen to him. After all, what do preachers know about sailing? So uh, they strike out and they uh, go into this voyage uh, like they had planned anyway. Uh, And they wind up in this hurricane. Now, this situation could have been avoided. This is adversity that Paul had to go through that could have been avoided if they had listened to him and delayed the voyage. But they didn't listen to him. They survived. I think this hurricane lasted a couple of weeks. They survived it. The ship wound up crashing into some rocks and they were uh, able to swim ashore on the island of Malta. So that's where we uh, are here in Acts 28. They've survived the shipwreck and they've swam ashore to the island of Malta. And the people of Malta were very kind and hospitable to them. Uh, They built a fire and they made them welcome because it was cold and raining. Sounds kind of like England. (laughs) Sounds more like England than (laughs) Malta. Verse 3. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer. Whom though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow him to live. So these were heathen people. Uh, they had heathen pagan beliefs that, you know, uh, your evil deeds will eventually ca- catch up with you. And Paul was a prisoner on this ship uh, and he escaped, you know, he managed to escape the shipwreck, he managed to escape the hurricane. But now he's got bitten by this snake and, uh, you know, his bad deeds have just caught up with him. He must be a bad guy. This is a conclusion they came to just because of all the bad things he had gone through. And, you know, that is not true today. It's not wasn't true then. It's not true today. Some people think, you know, people go through these uh, adversities and just bad situations—it uh, must be something wrong with them, and they must be bad people. No, the devil's a bad devil; the devil's the destroyer, regardless of how good you've been. Uh, so these these heathen people, uh, you know, just came to the conclusion: boy, this guy must really be bad because all of his bad deeds have caught up with him. Uh, the reason Paul was on the ship as a prisoner in the first place was for preaching the gospel. He hadn't done anything bad. He was doing good. He had done nothing wrong. He had been beaten. He had been uh, accused with false charges, put in prison. Now on a ship in a hurricane, the ship uh, broke up on the rocks. He made it to shore, and now to top it off, he gets bit by a snake. And he must be thinking, Wow, what else can possibly go wrong? You know what I mean? I mean, this is the limit, you know. Uh, Talking about a bad day, you know. And sometimes we think we have problems, but when we look around at other people's circumstances, uh, you know, ours really look quite small when we look around at other people's situations. Just because we are a believer and a man or woman of faith does not mean that we will never go through any challenges. Mm -hmm. There are Christians right now in the midst of this spiritual battle of light and darkness. We're experiencing right now in the culture and the governments in the earth. And the only response that many Christians can come up with is, Jesus, come get us out of here. Jesus, come get us out of here. That's a response that a lot of Christians are making, and I've heard some of them make it. This is not the talk of victors and overcomers. This is talk like powerless, helpless, weak victims. This is a victim mentality. It's helpless. It's weak. How did Paul respond? After all these bad things that happened to him, and to top it off, he's bit by this snake. Now, these Local people, these islanders, they know this snake is no ordinary snake. This is not your garden variety green snake. They know this is a deadly, poisonous snake. They have never known anybody to survive a snake bite from this snake. Did Paul have a pity party? No. He didn't say, why did this happen to me? I don't deserve this. All I was doing was preaching and doing the will of God. What else could go wrong? God, why did you let this happen to me? No, that's not how he responded. He didn't say, Jesus, well, I guess my time's up. I'm coming to see you today. No, no, he didn't respond that way. Verse 5, but he shook off the creature and to the fire and suffered no Harm. Everybody say, no harm. No. No. Amen. The Amplified, Amplified Bible says, then, Pe- then Paul simply, he simply shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no ill effects. It says he simply shook it off. The Message translation says, Paul shook the snake off into the fire like it was nothing. <laughs> he shook it off like it was nothing. He probably laughed at the devil and said, Devil, you, you cannot kill me. Amen. Which you have shut. Which huh? Which is it? Message. The, the message, message. The the message. message says, says, He shook it off into the fire like it was Nothing. He said, devil, he probably just laughed at the devil. Devil, you are crazy. You couldn't kill me in the hurricane. You couldn't kill me in prison. You couldn't beat me to death. You think you're going to take me out of here with a snake bite? No way. God has a plan for my life. Amen? Now hold your place there and just turn back the page to Acts 27, uh, verse 23. This is um, where they were in the middle of this hurricane, and it, it looked hopeless. But the Lord gave, um, gave Paul a word in the midst of this hurricane. Verse 21, But after long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Man, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. And now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of God, to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul, you must be brought before Caesar. You must be brought before Caesar, and indeed God has granted you all those who sail with you. Now, underline this next verse, highlight it, draw stars around it, whatever you do. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. Let's say this together. For I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. That verse right there will get you through any test and trial into victory. That is a rhema word. That that verse right there will bring you to victory through any test and trial. God had already revealed to Paul, he must go to Rome. There was no way he was going to die on the way. Uh, And Paul said, devil, you can't kill me. I have an appointment in Rome. God has ordained that I go to Rome, and it's not the will of God that I die out here, and I'm not going to die. He shook it off in the fire and felt no harm. Now, you know these local people, when they saw him bit by this snake, they're just sitting there watching uh, because they know in a few minutes this guy is going to keel over. They're just watching to see because he's going to swell up and he's going to start vomiting and he's going to be dead in a few minutes because they've never seen anybody survive this snake bite, snake bite. So we're back in Acts 28, verse 6. However, they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. So these people are watching to see what happens. But after they had looked for a long time and saw what? Nothing. No harm Come to him. Everybody say, No harm, no harm. came to him. Amen. Amen. This is a witness to these people, these heathen people that don't even know there's a, a God except they're heathen gods. This is a witness to the people on this island. A witness is a confirmation or evidence confirmation or evidence that's what a witness is when things kill other people and they don't hurt you it's a witness it's confirmation and evidence to the reality of God the power of God and the goodness of God so why is all of this recorded in this book why are we still talking about all this centuries later because God has not changed. He is still the God that heals you. Now, it would have been easier on Paul to be delivered from the prison, to be delivered from the hurricane, to be delivered from the shipwreck, and from the snake bite, so that he, he would never have had to go through any of that. But we're still talking about this today, saying God is real and God is good. God can neutralize the worst disease. He can neutralize the worst poison, the worst symptoms. And this is not the end of the story. This miracle healing of Paul from the snake bite affected this entire island. The most influential man on this island, uh, Publius, his father was sick. Paul went and prayed for him, laid hands on him, and he was healed. Verse 9, so when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. This this healing of Paul wound up affecting the entire island. Everybody started bringing all the sick and and Paul prayed for them and the, all the sick people on the island were healed this opened up the entire island to the gospel of Jesus this one healing now let's turn to our last scripture in Mark 16. Mark 16 this is the Great Commission And I talked about this some um, in last month's contact letter that I wrote. Uh, and this is, this is the head of the church talking. And he said to them, uh, I'm, I'm going to read this from Young's literal translation. You can follow along in, in yours. Uh, Young's Literal Translation said, And he said to them, Having gone to all the world, proclaim the good news to all the creation. He who hath believed and hath been baptized shall be saved, and he who hath not believed shall be condemned. And signs shall accompany those believing these things. Do you believe these things? Amen. Well, it says, Jesus said signs would accompany us. In my name, demons, they shall cast out. With new tongues, they shall speak. We speak with new tongues. That's still for today. Verse 18, serpents, they shall take up. Now, most of the translations I looked at, this phrase, most of the translations say, take up serca, serpents, pick up serpents, or handle serpents. This is not a good translation at all. This is, this has nothing to do with handling or playing with poisonous snakes. This is not saying you can go play with a rattlesnake and expect not to get hurt. That is not what this is saying. Um, this word... Uh, Take up, the words take up also means to remove, to cast away, or to take away. They shall take away serpents. They shall cast away serpents. They shall remove serpents. This describes what Paul did with the snake, doesn't it? He cast it off. He cast off. He removed it. He cast it off. He shook it off. And if any deadly thing uh, they may drink, this word deadly means poisonous or fatal. Any deadly thing they may drink, what will it do? It will not hurt them. The English Heritage Version says it will not harm them. Let's say this together. It shall not harm me. It shall not harm me. Amen. And on the ailing, they shall lay hands and they shall be well. Jesus said when we lay hands on the ailing, they will be well. The King James, the New King James says they shall recover. Amen. So let's let's lift our hands together. Father, we thank you that you do all things well. We thank you that you have spared us from the storm. You have delivered us out of the midst of storms. We thank you, Father, that you change poisons so that they no longer hurt us. Deadly things are neutralized. You are our healer, and you make us whole. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Let's say this together. No harm in the water. No, no harm in the water. No harm in the stew. No, no harm in the stew. No harm in the, no, no harm in the fire. No harm in the snake bite. No harm in the snake bite. God can neutralize. God can neutralize. The, worst disease. the worst disease. The worst symptoms. The worst, symptoms. The, worst poison. The, worst poison. the worst poison. Like it was nothing. Like it was nothing. I have a healer. I have a healer. He fixes me. He fixes me. Amen. Amen.